All right, I told myself I'm only going to teach for 30 minutes, so I'm going to talk for 30 minutes, and then I'm going to pray uh, when we're done with it. So I hope you guys got comfortable. I'm going to make you stand as we uh, read God's Word tonight. So stand up out of reverence for the Word of God. Let's, uh, let's, let's read tonight's passage. This is James 1, uh, 22 through 27. It says this, uh, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. One more slide. Verse 26 says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that our God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the idolatry of the world. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right, I had a confession. Uh, When I first read this passage... My thought was, this sounds exhausting. Uh, like this passage is so, and sometimes I'm just going to be honest, when I read the book of James, it just sounds so exhausting. How many of you, when you're like, you're trying to follow Jesus, and you have like all the things going on in your life, you got school, you got family, you got, you got work, you have all the different things, and then you just hear like all the things that we're supposed to be doing that we're not doing, and you're like, I just feel like I am going to quit before I even get started. And I think there's different seasons in the Christian life. Uh, when, typically, when we're in seasons of like inspiration, where like life is good, we're excited, we feel like God is meeting us in His personal presence. When we're reading the Word, and you hear passages like this, it like it sounds really inspirational. You're like, yes, you know, you don't want to jump into it. You're like, I'm not serving the poor, but I'm gonna start serving the poor now, and you run after it. Like those seasons are amazing. I love those seasons, and I if I could live in those seasons all the time. Uh, I would, but many of you know following Jesus just isn't like that. There are seasons of dryness. There are seasons of weariness. There are seasons where you just don't feel like God is speaking to you. And specifically when you're in a season where your spiritual gas tank is empty, hearing a passage like this just sounds like you just need to do a lot more. You, uh, you, you read it and you're like, man, okay, so he says I need to like do the word. He says it like five times in this passage. You're like, man, I should probably start doing that. And then you're like, think about this. He says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and the religion is worthless. And you're like, well, I've kind of paid attention to my mouth lately and it sounds like I have a worthless religion. I need to work on that. And you're like, okay. Uh, and then there's religion that our God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless. You're like, I want that. And it's like to care for the poor. And you're like, I'm not even doing that. And you're like, I don't even know somebody who's poor. And you're like, all right, I got to put that on my to-do list. And then you go like, on top of it, you're supposed to have this wholehearted devotion that resists the idolatry and pollution of this world. It just feels like a full-time job. Are you guys resonating with this at all? Are you guys all in seasons of inspiration? Just ready to go. I don't even need to to teach tonight. Uh, But here's here's the thing. In my experience, and I'm going to talk very personally right now, one of the reasons that I tell others and myself that gives me an out in obeying the word is that I'm just busy. And you're like, no, I know scripture says that I'm supposed to care for the poor. I know what it says about how I'm supposed to speak to others. I know it says about the idolatry that just kind of still feels like it's like sticking to my life, but I'm just busy. How many of you have heard somebody say I'm busy like five times already today? 
Like busyness is just the word of our generation. Uh, and I, I want us to feel attention. That is so true, and there are seasons that are hard, there are seasons that are exhausting, but here's one, of the, here's one of the things that I really want you to feel the tension of today. At some point, every single one of us will stand before God and will give an account of our life, and God won't hold us accountable on our level of busyness. Like imagine coming, and you're like, Lord, I, I, I heard what you said, what I was supposed to do. I was just busy. God's like, oh, sorry, I didn't even realize how busy you were. Like, I just don't think that's how it's going to go. And I don't say that. Like I said, I, I, my biggest prayer is that you would hear tonight's talk, not as, like, condemnation. But there is, like, a reality that, like, God said, like, religion that I accept is this. Which means religion that is unacceptable is religion that doesn't do this. And I'm saying this to you as somebody who looks at this and goes, there's a gap in my life between what this says and what I'm experiencing right now. Um, in my... Uh, kind of experience walking with many of you, I, I know oftentimes it's a, I think sometimes we talk, of, like we think about others and like we kind of like maybe judge them in our heart because we're like, well, they're not doing this or I'm not doing this. But oftentimes, listen, it's not desire that keeps us from stepping into God's word. It's simply just, we're just distracted and devoted to things uh, that, that the world prioritizes, but Jesus never prioritized for us in his kingdom. So my, my call to you tonight from this passage and from various things that I'm going to say is that I want us to be doers of the word's priorities before we are doers of the world's priorities. I want to say that again. Tonight, this is what I want to call you to very simply. I want to call us to be doers of the word's priorities before we are doer of, doers of the world's priorities. Because if you try to fit the kingdom of God and what Jesus calls you to in, on top of the thing the world is calling you to, you won't have time to do it and you'll burn out before you ever get started. So in order to do that, I'm, I kind of have like three questions that I want to work through tonight. Uh, one, why do we need to be doers of the word? And that's going to be the challenging part about this passage where I'm going to press you a little bit. And then secondly, I think there's actually a beautiful invitation in this passage of like why should we want to be doers of the word? If you leave tonight going, like, I just should do more, you miss everything that I think this passage is trying to invite us to. And then I want to simply suggest maybe a way that you can start implementing being a doer of the word in your life. So with that being said, why do we need to be doers of the word? The first thing that James says is that we need to be doers of the word because if we're not doers of the word, there's the danger of self-deception. So if you're taking notes, there's the danger of self-deception. I want you to look on the screen. I have a I have the verses on the screen, and you'll see uh, James has this language of being deceived twice in this passage. And so uh, he says, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. So James seems to think that if you're just hearing a lot of content, if you're hearing a lot of scripture, but you're not doing it, you're actually self-deceived. And what's scary about self-deception is people who are deceived don't know they're deceived. And so James is talking to the church. He says, I just want you to know if you just hear the word but you're not doing it, be careful because you might be self-deceived. You got to be careful. And then I think it's in verse uh, 26. He says it again. He has this language. He goes, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight ring on their tongues is, is self-deceived. They deceive themselves. Uh, James in particular, he's writing to a community that's primarily Jewish. And you kind of get a sense in this letter that he's writing to a community that is comfortable in thinking they're okay because they're Jews. 
And because like we are, we just are the people of God. We believe the right things. Uh, they may, they may, have, may have even had to come like some self-righteous like ethnic thing where they're like, we're like, we're the chosen people. And they kind of had all this stuff. And so James is talking to people. If I were to put it in modern language, James is, is he's writing to people who like to hear really good sermons and then do nothing with them. We're like, man, I just want to hear really good sermons. I just want to hear really good content. But then when you actually get into the life of me or maybe even you, you realize, like, I'm just taking in information. One of the things that's really challenging about our modern age is that technology is just off the charts. I was talking with a group of people. Like, in church today, I got, like, my screen time notification. You guys ever, like, get that? You're like, I'm not even going to look at what that says, you know? But, like, there's the screen time notification, and you're just, like, you realize how many hours. I would just, one thing you should do with your friends in your small group is you should go around and everybody read off how much screen time they had there for the week. But it's a real thing. Uh, there's, there's digital addiction. It's just a thing going on right now. And one of the scary things about the rise of technology and the amount of information that can come at us in a day is there can be this growing belief that learning is growing or that information is transformation. Where you just like go like, man, if I'm just hearing more podcasts, if I'm just hearing more sermons, if I'm just doing more quiet times, if I'm just taking in more scripture, that just means I'm maturing. It means I'm transforming. And what happens is, and this is what James is trying to get at, and it's the thing that we have to uh, maybe self-evaluate in ourselves, is when you believe that learning is growing or that information equals transformation in my life, it produces people who listen to learn versus people who listen to obey. And there's a huge difference between the two. A person who listens to learn, to just kind of fill up their mental, intellectual categories for things, and people who listen to obey, which assumes a learning, but actually it leads to a transformation in your life. It's funny, uh, this was actually probably the most interesting discovery that I found this week in doing this passage. And James says, the person who listens to learn and the person compared to the person who, doesn't, who listens to obey, he says, is you're like a mirror. And he says, it's like you go and you look in a mirror uh, and then you forget what you look like and walk away. And I was talking with Brock before this. I was kind of prepping for the sermon. I've always found it fascinating where he says, like, it's like looking at a mirror and then immediately forgetting what he looks like. And you go, nobody forgets what they look like. And when you start getting into the context, uh, it's, it's actually really fascinating. Guys, you have to pay attention. This is amazing. Here's what's interesting about mirrors in the day. Uh, not everybody had access to mirrors in the time that James is writing. I'm going to put a picture on the screen. This is a, like in the time when James would have been writing in the Roman Empire. Uh, this was a bronze mirror. Imagine trying to do your makeup in that thing. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's super little. Uh, typically, mirrors were made of polished bronze of the day because there's no like glass like we have it today. Like that technology hadn't come out yet. And here's what was fascinating. Only the rich had access to mirrors of this day. And here's, here's the implication of that. The average person didn't know what they looked like. So only the rich had access to mirrors. So if you were below the line of people that had access to it, you just wouldn't know what you'd look like. Can you imagine that, like seeing yourself for the first time and being like, oh, geez. <laughs> You're like, that's what I look like? You know, but if my wife were to look in the mirror, she's like, okay, and I see what I, all right, here we go. You know, but imagine showing up, and like not knowing what you look like. And then, uh, and then and this, here's the thing. To see yourself in a mirror in this time would have been a rare and exciting experience. And James is saying, listen, uh, looking into the word of God is a rare gift. 
And he goes, it's super easy. You know what it's like. You can look at a mirror and walk away and forget what you look like because maybe you might look at yourself in a mirror two or three times in your entire life. You have to rely on other people to know what you actually look like. He goes, listen, you've been given the gift of the word of God that is like a, like a mirror. It's rare. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. And when you look into the mirror of scripture and you have the privilege of looking into it and you see something that maybe is out of order, don't forget what you look like and just move on. He goes, put it into practice in your life. One of the things that uh, I've been thinking about this week and just trying to like, I was like, how can I, like what stories can I share that would like make this uh, helpful? And I was thinking about, uh, I'm, I'm currently in P, uh, physical therapy right now. I'm going to call it PT. Um, which, anyways, physical therapy. And uh, I've been having like a hamstring issue right now. And I think what, what James is trying to get at, he goes like, looking into the word of God and then just moving on and not implementing it in your life would it be as silly as like what I'm going to tell you. So I'm going to PT right now. I went and saw somebody from our church who's a physical therapist and he gave me like all these like screenshots of exercises and stretches to do to take care of my hamstring. And I want you to imagine if, you're, if I told you, like, yeah, hey, just want to let you know like I'm in PT. You're like, great. What does that look like for you? It's like, well, uh, here's my exercises. They're like, great. What do you do with those? It's like, well, I get up every morning and I read them. So it's like, okay. Like, yeah, I know, like, exercise number three, verse three, says that, like, when I have my leg up, like, I'm supposed to, you know, have it like this, and then I'm supposed to do this ten times. It's like, oh, that's great. It's like, what, 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 what does that look like in your life? It's like, well, I don't. I just read it in the mornings. It just makes me feel really good. I just really want to set my heart right. You know, you'd be like, that's so silly. And James is saying, listen, when you read the word of God, and you're like, I have my morning quiet time. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. You're like, all right, you got to care for the poor. Watch your tongue and resist idolatry. And you're like... That felt really good. All right, I'm going to go to work now. James is saying, listen, listen, that's like reading your PT exercises and being experts on them. But the whole point of it is actually to, like, equip you to, to change, to transform. And James says that's how it is. I just want to ask you a question tonight. Listen, my sermon is not complex. I want you to think of the last sermon that you listened to. Like right now, what was the last sermon that you heard? I want you to think of the last podcast you listened to, Christian podcasts, the, la- the last sermon you listened to, the last podcast you listened to. I want to think of your last Bible study. You guys have it in your mind? All right, here's my question. Did you do anything? Is there anything from that message that you actually did? And I think what James would say is like, if, if, if not, that's just like, taking in information, and there's like a self-deception in thinking that we're growing. Ken Shigematsu, uh, he's a Japanese pastor out of Canada, and he says this. I thought it was just a really helpful idea. He says, one of the dangers of being contemporary followers of Jesus is the habit of passively storing information without acting on it. If we gorge on scripture, filling our minds with information, but never living it out, we become spiritually fat and sluggish. In some cases, we may even grow immune to the conviction of the word, hearing it with our minds, but never changing the way we live. That's the thing that scares me, where you can take in information so much. You can take, up, take in so much like scriptural content and messages and podcasts and Bible studies that you actually become like desensitized to the word of God. Here's, this, here's something that I have been thinking a lot in prepping for this message that I'm just going to say it. You, you may go like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense, but I want you to really think about this. I don't think Satan cares how much Bible you read. 
I think sometimes, and I do think this is one of Satan's strategies, that he tries to keep believers from engaging in the scriptures. I absolutely think that's a strategy. But I actually think one of Satan's best strategies actually might be to feed you so much scripture through Bible, podcasts, and sermons that it's so much intake that you actually have no output. Have you ever thought about this? Maybe Satan is trying to get you to take in so much Bible study, sermon, podcast, noise, that there's all these things that you do none of them. Kind of reminds me of going to, uh, have you guys been to Cheesecake Factory? Uh, I've been there once, and I don't think I ever went back. My brother's like, this is the best place ever. And I was like, why, after going? It's, it's all, it's at, first of all, it's at like every mall. And then if you go and sit down, uh, do you guys know how many food items are on the Cheesecake Factory menu? No, seriously, just guess. Throw out a number. It, it, it blew my mind. Higher. Higher. There's 250 items on the cheesecake menu item. Isn't that crazy? And I was thinking about this. When you go to In-N-Out, how long does it take you to order? Five seconds? It's like you already know your order before you even look at it. It's like I show up, I order it. You go to the cheesecake factory, and you're like, and your, and your waiter comes up, or waitress, and they're like, right, how much, uh, what would you like? You're like, I don't know yet, I'm not ready. And you just, like, there's something about being paralyzed by too many options that you actually end up becoming a menu gazer rather than just ordering what you want. And I think uh, in a similar way, as silly as it might be, sometimes when, when you have so much information coming into your life at once that it just turns us into a spiritual menu gazer. We just read the pages of scripture, like, care for the poor. Oh, that's nice. Keep a tight ring on my tongue. Oh, that sounds good. Honor your father and mother. It's like, that doesn't apply to me anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we just, we, just, we, just, we just read through so much scripture. We just read through so much scripture that we just leave and do none of it. And I think what James is saying, the challenge of this passage, and now I'm going to move to like the invitation. The challenge James is saying is, listen, don't be self-deceived. Be a doer of the word of God. All right, so why should we want to be doers? Uh, and James says that uh, being a doer produces a life of freedom and blessing. I love that in the middle of this passage, there's like this beautiful, subtle invitation of what James is actually calling us to do. Look at verse 25. It says this. Um, it says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, there's that language of being a doer of the word of God, not forgetting what they have heard, compared to the person who looks in the mirror and walks away, but doing it, there it is again, they will be blessed in what they do. And I, I just want to, I want to focus on two words really quick. James seems to say that if you uh, look into the scriptures, which he talks about being like the perfect law, like if you are a doer of the word, if you continue in it, some translations say if you are steadfast in obeying the word, uh, you, will, you will experience freedom and you will experience blessing. That word blessing, I love it. It means happy. What I love about this, sometimes we, we hear what God's calling us to do through the scriptures and we just think it's like a burden and like a duty. But James seems to say, like, it's actually interesting. Like, even when you have a lot going on, when you actually give yourself to the things that God is calling you to do, when you seek first the kingdom of God, you'll be happy. You'll be deeply enriched. And you'll be favored by God. I don't know about you, but that's the type of life I want. And James goes, listen, you want to be blessed? You want to be happy? You want to, you want to have satisfaction that is like full and overflowing? Look into the scripture and do what it says. 
And then this is what's fascinating. He says this. He says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Uh, if you think about this, the fact that he puts a law and freedom into the same sentence makes no sense at all. You guys are living in a, a world right now that says any sort of uh, authority or source outside of me that tells me what to do restricts my freedom and therefore makes me into an unblessed life. And James just flips it actually like on its head. And he goes, no, you want a blessed life. You want, fr- you want freedom. You need to submit to the law of God. This might be a, a silly illustration, but I, I think uh, there's this reality that there is a good type of restriction in law that actually produces the most order and blessing in your life. And I was thinking about this. Uh, I, so in, when I was 19 years old, I went to Indonesia on a mission trip, which hindsight, it was like the most unwise thing I think I've ever done in my life. Not that, that it was a mission trip, but I remember there was like m- uh, some buddies at school like, hey, we have this like mission trip. It's like super legit. We're going to go to Indonesia, but not like Jakarta. We're going to go to like this like one part that's in the middle of nowhere. Like literally nobody goes there. And I was like, that sounds great. You know, and I just read like Radical by David Trapp or David uh, David Platt, thank you. And I was like super jazzed, you know? And I was like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. And so I remember I went for a month to Indonesia. And I remember like it was amazing. I had some of the best experiences of my life, met incredible people, built incredible relationships. But there was parts of it that were so sketchy. I think my brother got on the back of a moped. He's like, hey, I'm gonna go with my buddy to his village. I was like, great, that sounds good. He took like he got lost. It was like eight hours on the back of a moped. And he like was in the middle of Indonesia. We couldn't get a hold of him. He had to get on a random plane in the middle of nowhere and like fly back. Like it we were like the oldest person on the trip was like 24. And so anyways, but one of the things this is as silly as it is. I remember going to Indonesia and there was no traffic loss. And uh, it was like it was absolute mayhem. It was like mopeds, cars honking, like no lanes, like people were going everywhere. I remember at one point I saw a, I think it was five people on one moped with a mattress. And they were going down the road, and I was just like, and I remember like somebody like gave me a motorcycle. It's like, all right, you're going to start driving through this. And like the amount of anxiety that I felt from no order absolutely created chaos. And what I'm trying to get at here is like coming back to the U.S., and I was like, man, I'm really thankful, as silly as it is, that there are laws that keep people from doing things on the road, and there's harmony people are going where they're supposed to. There's a type of law that actually brings freedom. And I think that this is what James is saying. He's like, listen, this might be counterintuitive, but even the the toughest of Jesus' teachings, even the ones that seem to restrict you doing what you want to do, actually produces a harmony in your life that you really long for, and it's the blessed life. So James says it's a life of freedom and blessing. Um, And here's actually, I'm actually going to end here. Uh, there's, there's something that I want to say, and there's no great like transition to this, but one of the things that I've seen in talking with people, I, I feel like I'm at the age now where a lot of my friends in high school have left the faith or left following Jesus or have settled for like a lesser version of it. Uh, and I just see people that are bored and burnt out with Christianity. And I just... Um, I think it hurts my heart, one, because there's so many people that I love, but one of the things that I've just reflected on, I'm like, if it's true, if it's true that being a doer of the word produces freedom and blessing, 
And that word means happy. Like if I do the word and, I, and I'm happy, if I do the word, I'm going to be enriched. If I do the word, I'm going to be favored. Even if it's going to cost me my life, it's going to produce a satisfaction that I deeply want, I want, that I'm convinced some of the boredom and burnout people are experiencing with Christianity is because they've only learned it, but they have never truly lived it. Where they, like, they read all these things and like, oh, that's so great, but they actually haven't put it into practice they actually, actually haven't lived it in their life. They actually haven't gotten in the game, and they find it like, this is boring. And I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe because you actually haven't stepped into the life that Jesus is actually calling us to. This is super silly, but how many of you uh, grew up playing sports, and then uh, if you were the kid or were not, you don't have to raise your hand, but you played with the kid on your team that never got to get in the game? You know what I'm talking about? Little League, it's like the coach would put everybody else in, and like, it's like, you know, poor Corey. It's just like he never got to play in the game. Here's one of the things. I played sports all throughout growing up. The person that never got in the game, even when they loved the game to death, eventually quit. Eventually in their life, they came to a point where like, if I'm not going to be able to play, I'm going to quit. And I just want to say, listen, don't quit on Christianity. Don't quit on your relationship with God. Maybe some of the reason that you're not experiencing the joy it's because you haven't actually gotten in the game in a way that maybe Jesus is calling you in your life. And this is where I'm going to end. James says this. He says, listen, if you want to get in the game of Christianity, and if you want to start doing the word, he says there's three things to do. He says it's to use your words as a source of encouragement and blessing in other people's lives. He says it's to start serving the poor, and it's to seek God with a wholehearted devotion while rejecting the idolatry of this world. Guys, here's the thing. Here's what's fascinating. James could have said, be a doer of the word and filled in any three things. And I could spend a sermon on each one of these things unpacking it tonight. But here's what James says. Listen, if you want to be a doer of the word, great. Here's where you start. Use your words to bless others and find how much joy it is. I guarantee you, take one day this week and try to encourage everybody that you can as much as you possibly can and tell me if it's not a blessing to you. James says, okay, use your words to bless others. He goes, start serving the poor. Find somebody somehow. Maybe it's neighborhood ministries. Maybe there's some, but find a way to care for the least of these. Maybe it's fasting. Maybe it's like, maybe your, your, your way to start is to go, Jesus, I don't even know where to start in this, but I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fast one day a week, and I'm going to take that money, and I'm going to give it to a local nonprofit and serve the poor that way until I can find a place to use my time and energy. Tell me that won't deeply enrich in your life. And the last thing he goes to seek God with a wholehearted devotion while rejecting the idolatry of the world. Most of us hear the second thing and we leave it off with the first thing. We're like, I'm just supposed to not do that thing. And James goes, no, when you're so radically wholehearted devoted to God, that's how you keep yourself polluted or unpolluted from the world. I was on a trip uh, to, to New York this last uh, month and uh, I, I got to hear a sermon from a pastor that I really value. And, he, and this is what he said. Take, take this for a second. He said, the most miserable people in the world are half-hearted Christians. He goes, if you're not in at all, he goes, at least you don't have the conscience kind of making you do this and you're miserable. How many of you have spent like years of your life being in between of being wholehearted and like pursuing the life that you feel like you want to go? And being in the middle is exhausting, isn't it? There's something about being wholehearted, that makes, like, Jesus, I just want to know you so much that whatever is polluting me from the idolatry of this world that is robbing me of life, I don't even want it because, Jesus, I want you. Listen, if stepping into the Christian faith is having more quiet times, listening to lots of podcasts, going to church services I really like, 
and doing that thing I really don't want to do. Guys, I just want to say this. I don't want to be a part of it. That's really boring. I don't think Jesus died for us to just listen to more sermons. I don't think Jesus died and gave up his life so that we could just do more church. Jesus died and gave up his life to reconcile you to the living God and to send you into the world as his ambassadors to seek first the kingdom and to experience the blessing of living that life. And James goes, and this is how you start. I want to I want to end with one thing uh, before we before we pray tonight. I want to give you Jesus's words in Matthew six thirty three. Jesus says this: Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. I just want to pause, and maybe have you reflect for a second on this question. Maybe some of you are so busy and exhausted with things that God never asked you to be busy with. Maybe they're good things. Maybe they're things you have to do. But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and then I will take care of the added things. And in context, Jesus is talking about anxiety and money. He goes, listen, seek first the kingdom of God, and I'm going to provide this for you. Here's my experience in my own life, and my guess it's true for you. Many of us are exhausted and worn out because we are seeking first the added things and then trying to seek first the kingdom things, like we're trying to fit that in. Jesus goes, listen, if you want a deeply enriched life, seek first the kingdom and leave the added things to me. And you're going to have a deeply enriched life. So here's what I want you to do as we end tonight. And we're going to pray. If you hear this and you go, like, I'm going to keep my same life and just add other things on top of it. It's like, I'm going to do everything I'm doing now and now care for the poor and now seek God. You know, it's like, it's just not going to work. You're going to burn out. And next week, you're going to be like, you're going to feel bad, you know? Here's what I want you to do. I want you, this week... I really want you to take me up on this. I want you to look at your schedule. I want you to look at the things that you do. Take, take an audit of your life, of what you do with your time. Think about the shows you watch. I know we joked about it. Look at your screen time. Look at all the different, like how many of you have hang out with like this last week, three groups of friends, not because you want to hang out with them, but because you feel bad for letting them all down. And then we just like, we're trying, we'd run around, we're trying to please everybody, and then you're like, oh, I'm just so tired. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to cut two things out of your schedule this week. I just want you to cut two things out of your life. It could be two shows, two episodes. It could be uh, maybe two gatherings that you go to. And I want you to add a kingdom thing into your life. Maybe it's like, hey, this week I'm not going to do this and this, and I'm going to go serve the poor. Uh, I'm going to call up Kendall and be like, hey, can I come down and serve with you? Maybe, it's, uh, maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut out um, a weekend, uh, a Saturday of doing all the things that I want to do on that day. And I'm just going to spend time with people that I really love. And I'm going to tell them with my words how much I love them. And I'm going to honor the image of God. Who knows what God would do? But I want you to cut two things out of your life and add one. Because I don't know about you, but I want a blessed and favored and deeply enriched life. And I think that's the invitation of tonight's passage. So let's, let's pray that God would help us do that. And before I uh, pray us out, um, I want to leave you some time for you and the Holy Spirit to, to pray. And so uh, I'm just going to lead you in a time of prayer and self-reflection. Uh, so when you feel ready, just take a few deep breaths and just center your heart on Jesus. I want you to think about that verse uh, where Paul says, Jesus gave himself for me. And I want you to think of the personal love of Jesus for you, that he gave himself for you. 
And I just want you to take a second to receive the love of God for you in this moment. So why don't you take a second and pray through that. And as you're kind of in this place of abiding with Jesus where you're experiencing his love, I just want you to ask Jesus, Jesus, what am I giving myself to that you didn't ask me to give myself to? And just see what he says to you. Jesus, what, what am I giving myself to that may be good, but it's not what you're asking me to do in this season? Why don't you ask Jesus that? And then God, through you, James calls us to bless with our words, to serve the poor, and to seek him wholeheartedly. I want you to ask the Lord, who is somebody in my life that I have gossiped about this week, that I have slandered their name? Ask Jesus to reveal that person to you. Maybe take a second and ask for forgiveness. Maybe there's something that you need to repair. Out of anger, you said something that you didn't want to, and there's everything in you that just kind of wants to move on and ignore it like it never happened, and maybe Jesus is asking you to do some repair work in your life. Just ask him if there's something in your life that he wants you to repair. Secondly, I just want you to ask Jesus how to even start serving the poor in your life. Maybe it's not in the inner city, but maybe there's somebody at your work who is socially poor, who's on the outside, that when you and your friends get together, that there's an in-group and an out-group, and why don't you ask Jesus who's on the out-group that you can pursue and show the love of Jesus to? I just want you to ask the Spirit what it would look like for you to take the next step to pursuing Jesus more wholeheartedly in your life. Where is God inviting you to take a next step with Him in wholehearted devotion? Jesus, thank you that you have invited us to experience the free and blessed life in you in seeking first your kingdom. God, I pray over these young adults, I pray a special blessing. God, I ask that we would be known as a community that seeks first the kingdom of God. And uh, God, I pray that you would empower us for that. God, I pray, uh, Lord, I pray that before we do something for you, that we would be with you. So God, I pray that you would invite us to secret places throughout our day. Maybe it's an early morning or a late night, God, where we can carve out time just to be with you and to abide with you so that we can bear much fruit. 
And Jesus, I pray that as we transition into this time of worship, that we would worship from a place of sincerity and authenticity. God, we want to have a religion in the positive sense of the word that is acceptable to you. And God, you determine those terms and we don't. And so God, we humble ourselves before you and we want to follow you more deeply and more faithfully. Lord, we love you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Why don't you guys stand with me? And uh, before we uh, sing, I just want you to know, if uh, one of the things that we want to do every week kind of moving forward is we want to provide a time for us to pray over you. And so if there's anything stirring in your heart that you just, it could be related to the message, it could be completely disconnected, but if you want to receive prayer, uh, there's going to be some of us in the back. I'm going to be in the middle, but we're going to have people in the corners and people in the mid-back. And I just encourage you, take a brave step to receive prayer. I would love to pray with you. Um, I believe that there is power when two or three are gathered. And God shows up in a unique way that sometimes he doesn't when it's just us. And so uh, for the rest of us, we'll sing uh, and we'll pray and then we'll end our night. All right, guys, let's sing.